Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We would love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit our website at www.lifechurchofrichmond.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. On a seminar today, we don't normally have that, but I'm going to tell you what all these things are here in just a moment. These are all tools that I think are going to help us to kick off our new year. It's going to be a great, great year. I would ask you to continue to pray for Pastor Pavey. He's had some complications related to his foot surgery, so he's moving along pretty slow. Just be nice to him. Love on him. Tell him how much you love him. Don't anybody try to set up any meetings with him. Uh, just Let's let him rest and let him heal. Amen? So uh, thank you so much for that. Let's go to Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. And it is so good to be back in church today. You know, I only miss one Sunday, but it feels like forever. And you know, when you miss church, you ought to feel like you miss something, right? So it's good to be home today. <clears throat> the first Sunday of the month, my whole family's involved in children's ministry upstairs, so I always feel all alone sitting on my pew. So I'm, uh, I'm glad to be now. I get to see all of you guys. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. I'm starting a brand new sermon series today called Committed. So I'm glad you're here. By the way, welcome. You have not missed a Sunday this entire year. I want to congratulate each of you. And now I want to encourage you, keep it up. See if you can make it through the whole year. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10 says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Amen. So I want to preach on this subject today, committed to a new start. Committed to a new start. Amen. And before I begin, I'm just going to say one thing. How about them cowboys? Amen. All right. That's all I'm going to say. Amen. <laughs> Happy New Year to everybody. Now, just, just this week, we launched our new year. Many of you have already been working on some new commitments uh, and starting today as a church family, we're launching a 30-day church-wide initiative called Committed, 30 Days of Renewal. Now, this is the first time we've ever done this. We've done 21 days of fasting now for several years, but we're really expanding that this year. And many of you are going to make goals for 2019, or maybe you've already done so, that's going to change and improve your life. And I think that's a good thing, by the way. I'm a person, I believe in goals I believe in resolutions. I believe in those things. I think they're good. Some of you might want to lose some weight. You might want to exercise more. You might want to break a bad habit. Maybe you want to start some good habits. 
Maybe you want to spend more time with family. Maybe you have a, a goal to save some money or to get on a budget. All of these are great things. Many of you, and I hope many of you, will also maybe set some spiritual goals. And the good news is that you do not have to do those things alone. You don't have to do them alone. Together, as a church, we are excited about this 30-day focus of spiritual growth and renewal that kicks off today. Now, during the 30 days between today and February 4th, we are going to be emphasizing four different things that you can be a part of. Number one is a 21-day Daniel fast from today until January 26th. Many of you are already familiar with this, but this is 21 days of focused prayer and fasting. The Daniel fast is primarily a fast where you eat fruits and vegetables and you abstain from breads and meats and sweets. And uh, there are some Daniel fast guidelines. These papers, I don't know if these are in your chairs or in the lobby, but they're there. There's some guidelines that you can follow. We put a little brochure together there for you that might help you with your Daniel's fast. And, uh, and I encourage you to join us for at least a portion of this, if not all this. Uh, anybody can do a Daniel's fast for at least a day or two. So let me encourage you to give it a try. Uh, some of you live a Daniel fast uh, lifestyle anyway. But let me encourage you to try. And let me just throw this out there. For everybody says it's too easy, I'm not even going to bother. Yeah, you go ahead and try. You tell me what it's like to skip sweets for 21 days or bread for 21 days or pasta for 21 days. If you're not used to doing that, it ain't so easy, I can assure you. So maybe you could join us in the 21-day Daniel Fest. The next thing that we want to do, this is brand new, is a 30-day New Testament challenge. How many of you would have never thought it possible, but did you know you can read the New Testament in 30 days? Let me try that again. How many of you thought, maybe I'm a little overdue on this challenge, amen? Let's just pretend like you think you How many of you are excited about the fact you might be able to read the New Testament in 30 days? You can do it. 30-day New Testament challenge. These little blue, blue brochures here, These uh, you can check the days off. You can read through the New Testament in 30 days. You might say, well, I don't think I can do it. That's all right. Why don't you try to do it in 60 days or try to do it in 90 days? Amen. Another thing, now this is not in your chair, but these are at the Welcome Center. We also have some one-year Bible reading plans. And let me just uh, really encourage you to think about stopping by the Welcome booth. Pick up one of these. You know what I love about the one-year bread chart? And I, I read mine through this past year. I've done this many, many years in my Christian walk. Now, we got to be honest enough to admit this. This bread chart forces me to read some of the chapters in the Bible that I may not enjoy all that much. Oh, I can't believe he said that. Yeah, some of the chapters are not as easy to read. Some of the books are not as easy to read as others. Are there any honest believers in the house that will raise their hands? Amen. This will help you to exercise the discipline of reading the Word of God. Well, you might say, well, I'm going to do the 30-day New Testament challenge. That's great. You know what? I'm going to do them both. I'm going to check off all my New Testament chapters out of my one-year plan, and then the rest of the year is going to be a little bit easier to read the rest of my Bible. So I encourage you, get into the Word of God. You know what? Can I just say this as nice as I can? We have time for everything else except the Bible. Amen. 
I'm not, I'm not trying to shame you. I'm just telling the truth because all of us experience it. We have time for everything except the Bible. Let's change that this year. Amen? We also have a time of 30 days of focused prayer. That's that stapled thing that you see. This is real easy, guys. We've actually set out some prayers. We don't want you to just spend the whole day on that or that be the only thing. But we want you every day starting today, if you'll flip it open, you'll notice day one. We would like everybody in this church to pray together corporately for some of these things that we have mentioned on this 30 days of focused prayer. You can just take one minute or two minutes or just five minutes, whatever it is, and take some time. We're going to pray together as a church 30 days of focused prayer. And I'm going to tell you, I think this is going to be powerful. I think this is going to be amazing when we have hundreds of people praying the same prayer every single day. Amen? Then the last thing that I want to mention, and for some of you, it's the least favorite thing. One thing that we're going to be doing is a 30-day social media fast. All right, there you go. Now, some of you may, you may not want to do it that long. I get that. But beginning today, I want to encourage you, as many of you as will accept this challenge, will take a break from all social media that is not work-related. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, whichever the ones are that I don't know anything about. Now, again, if you rely on those things for your job, I understand that. But let me just throw this out here. I think the break will be refreshing. And can I be honest and tell you, I think it will also reveal the addiction that some of us have to social media that we don't even know we have. Have you ever pulled up at a traffic light and taken the time just to glance at everybody around you? I have done it. Every single person will be on their phone. I'm guilty of it. I'll pick up my phone, read a, read a few emails real quick, glance at Facebook real quick. We're, we're hooked on these things. We're hooked to these things. I challenge you to take 30 days and replace Facebook with putting your face in the book. I challenge you. Your Facebook time will more than enough allow you to read your New Testament. So I'm just putting it out there, putting it out there. The break will be a blessing. Hear me, there is no better time than the first of the year to make spiritual commitments and personal goals, and today is the first Sunday of the year. Why don't you decide to change your life spiritually? Amen? Today's that day. If you have not endeavored to make some New Year commitments in your life to start this year, I want to tell you, I think you really should. The reason this time is so good is that in, uh, in front of you right now is a year that is full of possibility and opportunity. Craig, if you'll give me just a smidgen more monitor. 12 months, 52 weeks, 365 days, 8,760 hours, 525,600 minutes, 31,536,000 seconds. What are you going to do with all that time? See, this is when a lot of folks make resolutions or set goals for themselves. It's a great time for new beginnings, for a fresh start. I, I'm not going to embarrass anybody. I'm just curious. I just really want to, anybody else out there besides me like to drop a few pounds this year? I'm just curious. Yeah, look around the room. Anybody out there like to be a little bit more faithful in your prayer life than what you were in 2018? Anybody out there like to be a little bit more faithful with your Bible reading than what you were in 2018? Yes, yeah, see, this, this is great. Anybody want to exercise just a little bit more than what you did? Anybody want to spend a little bit more time with family than what you did? 
Anybody want to get your money under control? Wow, hands going up there. I saw a few feet go up too, amen. Maybe this is a year you get on a budget. You want to be financially free, get on a budget. Maybe this is a year that, that you get set free from an addiction in your life. There might be some people that want to stop smoking, or maybe they want to stop drinking, or maybe they want to stop whatever. This is the time to set those goals. Amen. What is a resolution? In the dictionary, the word resolution is defined as a course of action decided upon or a fixed purpose. I think the reason why many of us shy away from making resolutions or setting goals is because making a resolution has a little more teeth in it, at least for the first two weeks of the year, right? (laughs) So whatever you like to call it, a resolution, a goal, an aspiration, hear me, don't get lost in the lingo. Don't get lost in the lingo. The main thing I want to encourage you to do is to do something in your life for the good that is going to last. Make some commitments that are of eternal value. Now, this is what brings me back to our text. If you want to be committed to a new start this year, we can learn some things that were employed by the Apostle Paul in our text in Philippians chapter 3. Verses 10 through 14. The first thing I want to point out comes from verse 13. You need to be committed to forgetting. Everybody say forgetting. The first thing you need to do if you want to advance this year, you need to be committed to forgetting. Verse 13, Paul said, forgetting what is behind. Now, Paul's talking about forgetting what's behind in such a way that the past, whether it's good or bad, will have no negative bearing or impact on my present spiritual growth or my future growth this year. Hear me, there's two problems or ways of living that we all must never accept. You cannot, you've got to avoid living in the past, and you can't just rest in the present. Are you stuck in the past, or maybe are you stuck in the right now? I've got a declaration for you. Are you ready? 2018 is over. It's done. The slate is now clean. I had a pretty good 2018. I closed it with some physical problems, but other than that, I had a pretty good 2018. You know what? But the year's over. It's done. We need to wake up every day and ask ourselves, how can I make the rest of my life the best of my life? The Bible even cautions us about always dwelling in the past. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 10 says, don't long for the old days, for the good old days. You don't know whether they are any better than today. It's not wise. Amen? I guarantee that you will never experience a better tomorrow if you're always thinking about your past. We'll never be able to focus on the future until we get unfocused from our past. Spend less time looking in the rearview mirror and more time looking out the windshield. Amen? In virtually every verse in our text of Philippians chapter 3, Paul uses aggressive terminology. He's reminding us, press on, reaching forward. He's talking about the goal. He's talking about the mark. To forget the past, hear me, it doesn't necessarily mean that you stop remembering. Okay? You can forget about some things and you're never going to completely erase it from your memory. There's no way to completely erase your past from your thoughts. 
But it does mean that we no longer focus on it and we don't allow it to dictate our now or sabotage our future. Amen? Forget, as Paul uses it here, means to no longer be influenced or affected by our memory. Notice, I don't want you to miss this. There's a big difference. He says it's to no longer be affected or influenced by those memories. I might remember it, but I'm not going to be influenced by it anymore. I'm not going to be affected by it anymore. we got to forget some things, things like past failures, past mistakes. See, that's why a lot of people don't want to change because they're held hostage by all of the past failures that change, and they won't forget about what's behind. you got to forget the wrongs that paralyze you with guilt and despair. Paul definitely had some of those. I talked about Paul in our Acts series uh, last year. Paul had a whole lot of painful stuff from his past he needed to forget or he would never move forward and become the man that God called him to be. As the persecutor of the church, he had a lot of dark things that no doubt he wanted to leave behind. You need to also forget not just your past failures. You need to forget some of your past successes. Because you know what happens when you think about past success all the time? You shift into neutral. Paul didn't want to dwell on how far he had come from where he used to be before. This might make him want to be content with where he was and too satisfied or smug about who he was. See, you can't just get all comfortable on your level of success. You can't get all comfortable and say, you know what, I think I've done good enough, so I'm just going to park it right here and I'm going to put it on cruise control. Nope, don't do it. See, because past success, if it causes you to shift into neutral, it's causing you to stop growing. He realized he still had a long way to go. Paul did if he wanted to know Christ fully and completely. He was mature enough to realize he was not mature enough. Amen? You know, success can be just as big an enemy as failure if we let it. In order to make some new beginnings, we have to put the failures and the successes of previous attempts behind us. Sometimes we make resolutions or we set goals and we find that it takes a very short period of time before we've broken them. Did you know statistics say that 8 out of 10 people uh, who make New Year's resolutions won't keep them for more than one month? 8 out of 10. And I think one of the two that's left is probably lying. (laughs) But let's say 2 out of 10 keep them. And maybe your failure to keep past resolutions makes you cynical or skeptical about making any for 2019. But if you adhere to the method of Paul, you got to forget about those things. Why not try again? Can I just ask you a painfully obvious non-scriptural, I mean non-spiritual question? Why not try again? I tried to quit smoking for the last 10 years. Well, great. Why not try again? I've tried to quit lying, but I I always catch myself telling lies. Well, are you going to be a liar the rest of your life, or are you just going to try again? I've tried to quit being dishonest on the job, but it's the only way I can get ahead. Are are you going to just be that way, or are you going to try again to do what's right? I try to read my Bible, but I forget, and so I've just stopped trying. Try again. We've got a clean slate before us. And when we forget the past, when we leave it behind, Paul's first method was forgetting what was behind. Let me tell you the second method found in our text that will help us be committed to a new start. you got to be committed to a purpose. Everybody say a purpose. Look what Paul said in verse 13. One thing I do. 
One thing I do. Paul learned one of the secrets of moving on in, concent, uh, in concentration is he said, one thing I do. He said, I'm going to give my life to one thing of value and purpose. The rich young ruler asked Jesus what he must do to get into heaven, and Jesus had a great conversation with him. And after the rich man laid out his case, Jesus said to him, he said, but there's one thing that you lack. And You might be asking yourself, what was the one thing that Paul did? Well, in verse 14, he said, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward calling. That word goal, the word telescope comes from this word. It means to mark your eye on something that is fixed. Paul said, I've got one thing in my sight. I'm reaching for a goal in this life and for a prize in the next life. If you take a huge river and it's running freely through the land, then if you dam it up, now you've turned that river into something very powerful for the use of of energy, but if that river overflows the banks, all you get is a swamp. Now, you could say our lives are like, like a river with, with two great banks on each side, and sometimes instead of being that person of purpose and productivity, it's like our lives are just spilling over the banks. But if you will channel and focus and turn your life into something other than a swamp, that's not God's will for your life. God wants you to focus on a purpose and a plan. And if you'll set the right goals in your life and then build your life around them, then there's no reason why you shouldn't be motivated to move on in 2019. I'm trying to encourage somebody today. You don't have to always be like you've always been. Amen. Commit to forgetting. Commit to a purpose. And then thirdly, you need to commit to a plan. Everybody say a plan. Verse 13 said, straining toward what is ahead. Now, don't miss this. The purpose is the goal, but your plan is how you're going to get there. Amen? Straining, that word straining, it refers to continuous concentration, like that of a runner in a race who's nonstop personal exertion and intensity of desires, what helps him achieve the victory. That word helps us to picture a runner maybe with his, his body bent over and his hand outstretched and his, his eyes fastened on the goal, never, never given a backward glance. How many football fans are in the house? Just real quick, have you ever noticed, because now the cameras are amazing, they can zoom right in on the guy's faces while they're running the ball. Have you ever noticed when a guy is running down the sideline, when he's running like this, they rarely catch him. But have you, have you ever noticed when he goes like this? Or he looks over his shoulder and he starts looking at what's behind him? Inevitably, somebody always closes the gap and tackles the guy before he reaches the end zone. That's what Paul's saying. You've got to look straight ahead. And you've got to have a plan of action. And you've got to have some ways that you want to accomplish what you want to do. Let me just give you some, some, some real generic specifics. Let's say that you're your purpose. You say, I, I want to lose weight. Okay, great. How? Everybody wants to lose weight. How are you going to do it? Amen? I plan to get in shape. Awesome. Here's your plan. Where are you going to work out and when are you going to the gym? See, you got a goal. You have a purpose, but you got to have a plan. I'm going to get out of date, debt. Great. Show me your budget. See, a lot of times... We get frustrated because we've got great purposes. I want to lose weight. I want to exercise. I want to get out of debt. I want to become a spiritual Christian. I want to become a good disciple. That's great. What is your plan to make it happen? Is, is this making any sense to anybody here? 
You got to concentrate on a solid plan that will help you to make your resolutions more of a reality. So how do I go about setting a good plan? Let me just give you a couple of quick points. Set some goals with the following questions in mind. Now, I'm assuming I'm talking to a lot of believers here today, so here's one question you need to ask yourself. Will this goal glorify God? Did you know, I'm not going to get too deep in that. I know some people who want to lose weight and get in shape, but their goal for doing it does not glorify God. I'm just going to let you resonate on that one for a while. But the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. God wants your goals and your resolutions to bring him glory. Some of our goals could be I want to spend more time with my children. I want to volunteer to lead a ministry in my church. I, I want to further my education. I want to exercise regularly. Maybe I want to buy a house this year. See, none of these goals are necessarily right or wrong. The question is how do your goals glorify God in your life? Amen? Here's another good question you need to ask when implementing your plan. Will this goal make me more like Jesus? As we make resolutions for ourselves, this is really one of the ultimate questions. Would Jesus spend his time this way? Would Jesus have this kind of a goal? Does this make me more like him or less like him? It's a good question to ask. Here's another one. Will this goal make a positive contribution to the world around me? Now, can I just challenge you? Our lives have got to be bigger than just us. It's got to be more than just what am I doing for me and my four and no more. Will this make a contribution to the world around me? See, some things aren't wrong. They're just not all that important. And one way to make the distinction is to measure the goal's positive impact on other people in your life. Will this goal make a positive contribution to my family or maybe to my coworkers or to my church or to my community or maybe to my world? Here's another question you can ask. Will this goal enhance my ability to witness? See, everything that we're involved in as believers with other people is an opportunity to share Christ to be a witness. Do any of your goals for 2019 intentionally involve you being with unchurched people so that you can be a witness for Jesus? See, chances are most of us probably not even thought about it that way, have we? Things like, should I or should I not join the PTA? Should I join a health club? Should I, should I go as a chaperone on one of the school trips with your kids? So you got to start realizing and thinking, is this an opportunity for me to just make a, to be a witness? To invite a neighbor over for dessert, to have a block party in your neighborhood? Not, nothing to do with church, just hamburgers, hot dogs. Let's get to know one another. To make cookies and deliver them to the people on your street at Thanksgiving or, or Christmas. See, everything we do, we need to start thinking, what can I do that will possibly give me an opportunity to be a witness for Jesus? Maybe hosting a life group or joining a life group. Or maybe finally joining and serving on one of our dream teams. Do any of my goals enhance my ability to witness? Do you have any goals that specifically get you involved with people who need to know the Lord? I want to be, oh, we're not supposed to be of the world. No, 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 but you got to live in this world. And how in the world are we going to be salt and light if we build four walls around our life and we don't let anybody in that doesn't know Jesus? Don't hide behind that spiritual crutch. Oh, no, 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 you need to step out and get to know some people that don't know Jesus. Amen.
And then once you've made some goals and you actually are committed to a new start, you got to translate those goals into actual activities. I'm talking about being committed to a new start. A lot of us set good goals and then nothing happens. Organize your activities. or Organize them around your personal life. You know, a lot of us don't spend enough time developing our personal lives. That includes our spiritual well-being, our prayer life, our physical fitness, how emotionally healthy we are, how willing we are to grow mentally uh, in, in wisdom and in knowledge. You, got, you need to grow. We all need to grow. We need to grow spiritually. We need to grow mentally. Pick up a book. <laughs> Read. Turn off the TV. Grow. Go for a walk. Read the Bible. Do something that will help your personal life. Get to know God uh, better. So here's a good example. What's my goal? I want to get to know God's Word better. What's my activity? Read the New Testament in 30 days or 60 or 90. What's my activity? Read a chapter from the Bible. When, when can I do it? I'll do it during my lunch break. I'll do it in the car right when I get to the parking lot. I get there early. I'll pick up my Bible. I'll read for five minutes. I'll do it right before I go to bed. Goal, activity. Goal, activity. Goal plus activity equals growth. Amen? Organize your goals around your family. Obviously, your goals and activities have to include your families. You are not growing to the glory of God if you are growing and leaving your family behind. I know some married couples, husband's on this great spiritual journey, leaving his wife in the dust. All, for some reason, he forgot that she's his life partner. No, no, no. Bring your children along with you. Organize around your family. Let's say your goal is to spend more time with your son. What's your activity? Agree to help coach his little league team. Put a night on the week on your calendar just to spend time with him. We used to, when my girls were little, we had Monday nights, family nights. People would sometimes call and ask me. They'd say, hey, can we meet with you Monday night? We'd say, nope, already have something scheduled. Already have an appointment. I didn't always tell people what it was either. Didn't really matter. I already had an appointment that was the most important appointment of my week. It was from 5 p.m. till 9 p.m. with Lauren and Lindsay Thompson. And we guarded it religiously for many, many years until they reached the age where they no longer really wanted to do it. Then after a while, you just get worn out. You're like, okay, I give up. But you got to organize around your family. You need to organize around the church. Everybody say the church. When you don't include church, you say, oh, here it comes. I knew. Yeah, I'm the preacher, so let me slide this in here. When you don't include church in your goals, you're going to get out of balance. We cannot be all that God wants us to be without being involved in the family of God. Amen? And that's not just sitting on a pew on Sunday. It means getting involved, joining a dream team, attending a life group, volunteering in your community. Be organized. Be involved in your church. Have you planned church back into your life? My whole point is that if you want goals that will last, put some activity behind your intentions. Amen? Maybe you've made the goal of getting in better shape. Join a class at the gym. Go for a walk before or after you go to work. If you don't put the work, don't do, do the work. Put something on your counter. It's not going to happen. Paul strained toward his goal. Let me tell you what else we got to be committed to. We've got to be committed to being passionate. Everybody say passionate. Paul said in verse 12, I press on. 
Paul said in verse 14, I press toward. Paul lived his life in a full court press. Amen. We might be saying, I'm not where I want to be. Can I challenge you? Press on. You might be saying, I'm discouraged in my marriage. Press on. You might be saying, well, I'm tired of my job. Press on. You've got to put some passion into your purposes. It takes more than just a little aspiration or inspiration. You've got to put some perspiration and some determination into your life if you're going to see things come to pass. Amen. Sometimes we're not the best with determination. We've got the attitude, if the boss is unreasonable, I'm going to quit. If she burns the biscuits, we're going to get a divorce. Subject is too hard, I'm just going to drop the class. If I fail at it once, I'm going to stop trying. If the peer pressure is too strong, I'm just going to give in and follow the crowd. Where's your passion? Where's your passion? Someone has said that people are like wheelbarrows, trailers, and canoes. They need to be pushed, pulled, or paddled. Amen. This is what Lou Holtz said, and I quote, He said, if you don't make a total commitment to whatever you are doing, then you start looking to bail out the first time the boat starts to leak. It's tough enough getting the boat to shore with everybody rowing, let alone when a guy stands up and starts putting his life jacket on. Don't be that guy that says, you know what, this ship is sinking, I'm putting my coat on, and we're going to see how far you can carry me till we're in the water. Don't be that guy. When life delivers hard blows, you need passion to fight back. When life dumps trouble on your doorstep, you need passion to shovel it away. When life destroys your dreams, you need passion to believe God for some new dreams. I remind you, you are anointed as a child of God. Press on. I remind you, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Press on. Amen? See, it's because of the mercy of God, the grace of God, and the forgiveness of God. It doesn't matter where you've been. What matters the most today is not where you've come from, but where you're going. And Do you have the passion to get there? See, we've seen that Paul's methods for reaching a goal includes forgetting the past, being devoted to a purpose, implementing a plan, and being determined in your passion. I want you all to stand with me. I'd like the prayer team and the praise team to come. You might say, well, it's already January 6th. It's too late. Are you kidding me? you got plenty of time to do whatever you want to do. Plenty of time to set those goals. Plenty of time to pick up your bread chart and get started. Plenty of time to pick up that 30-day New Testament challenge. Some of you have never even read the entire New Testament. Can you imagine what a success it would be if you read it in 90 days? I thought it was a 30-day challenge. Well, yeah, but the challenge is get in the book. God is going to help us. You know what I want to do at the end of the year? This year, I want to look back and say, I'm a better man than I was at the beginning of the year. I did more for my family. I did more for my church. I did more for my community. And I got just a little bit closer to being the man that God called me to be. Amen? Go ahead and play, guys. I want to encourage you to go for it in 2019.
Lose some pounds. Drop a bad habit. Pray more. Read your Bible more. Become faithful to God. Start tithing. Start giving offerings. Start serving in your community. Join a dream team. Attend a life group. Do devotions with your family. Have a family night for your children. Have a date night for your spouse. What am I? Do something to be a better version of you for the glory of God. Because I'm going to tell you, this could be the greatest year of your life if you choose to be committed. These next few weeks in this series, this is going to be a five-week sermon series, I'm going to start digging very deep into what commitment looks like. But I want to tell you, why wait until then when you can start right now? This is the very first Sunday of the year, so I'm going to open up this altar, and I want to invite you to come forward. And I want you to make a commitment that I'm going to serve God greater than I ever have. Now, let me just take a moment and define what that is. For some of you as longtime believers, you already know, everyone, I mentioned this in our staff meeting, every one of us has areas of our life we can grow in. Every one of us has areas in our spiritual lives we need to grow in. I don't care if you've been a believer for 30 years or for three days. All of us can grow spiritually. Some of you might not even be a believer. or Maybe you're a brand new believer. Why don't you take that step out today and say, you know what? This is the year that it all changes for me. I'm going to really give my life to Christ. I'm going to really give my heart to God, and I'm going to see what God can do. Maybe that's you. I invite you to come. Maybe you're a believer that you've struggled with some temptations or some trials or some stuff. Maybe there's some addictions or maybe it always feels like it's three steps forward and two steps back in your life. Why don't you come on out and say, God, by the grace of God and by your help, this is going to be the year that I plant my feet firmly and that I serve you with everything that I have. Maybe you already got your spiritual goals dialed in but you want God to help you to accomplish some personal goals. I want you to know there's nothing shameful about that at all. God, I want to get my weight under control. I want to get my addictions under control. I want to get my mouth under control. I want to get my thought life under control. I want to get my pocketbook under control. I need to get my budget under control. I want to challenge you. Step out from where you are and say, God, I'm submitting myself to you. You show me the plan, and I will do it to God. I'm inviting you to come right now. I'm going to open this altar. Just step out from where you are if you want to be a better version of you. We're not going to trick you. We're not going to do anything weird up here. I'm just inviting you to step out and say, God, I'm committed to a new start this year. I'm committed to a fresh start this year. Why don't you come? And as the praise team begins to pray, I want you to lift your hands. If you have a specific prayer need, see one of these prayer workers at the altar. Come forward, they'll help you pray. Why don't you come?